Good morning and welcome to worship at, at Kern Church. My name is Will and I'm the pastor here and it's such a pleasure to be with you as we worship God. My prayer is that you are blessed as we continue to worship God together. As we enter into this time of worship, I'm just going to pray this prayer and ask God's power to fall upon us. Let us pray. Oh God, release the resurrection power of your Holy Spirit to break through and bring miracles of new hopes and dreams and possibilities for our church and in our lives. Grant to us your boldness to follow Jesus into your new and unknown future and may your spirit come and your will be done. Amen. I want to invite you this morning to stand as you're able and join in worshiping God today. Amen. Almighty God, we shout your name. We praise your name this day. Amen. Please have a seat. As I shared a, a few moments ago, we are in the midst of a breakthrough prayer initiative. And, and, and if you weren't with us last week and haven't gotten emails, breakthrough prayer is a type of prayer where we specifically pray, where you specifically pray for God's power, God's almighty power to be released into your life and the life of your church. And, and it's an exciting prayer, and I get to share more about that later on as well. But as I was, I found this type of prayer by, um, through praying actually, and through some people that, that, I, that I respect, and they shared it with me. And so I read a book about somebody who was writing and, and talking about how to, how to have a breakthrough prayer uh, initiative in, in somebody in your own church. And so as I was reading this, I got connected to some other people that are praying breakthrough prayers. And, and there's a, a Facebook group called. Breakthrough Prayer Initiative. I mean, that's really original, I guess. But, uh, but, the, but the director of this group is also the author of the book. And so I, I shared our prayer, I shared our breakthrough prayer in this group by sharing our, our, our smartphone wallpaper. So you can download uh, the, our breakthrough prayer as a smartphone wallpaper on the website, and, and that's what I do so I can pray it each day. But um, I, I shared this, and, and then she responded and saying how she was going to be praying for us. And people all over the country have begun responding, saying they are praying with you and with, with me for, the, for God's Holy Spirit to, to, to fall upon and to break through and perform miracles in your life and at Kern Church. But I also want to share, and I think this is really cool, that, that, uh, that, that, that this person, uh, Sue Kibbe, Sue Nilsson Kibbe, she she was doing a breakthrough prayer conference, teaching other, other church leaders to, to pray big prayers, to pray powerful prayers. And, and she, she shared this in the, in the group. She said, I shared your congregation's new breakthrough prayer you posted here with a group of pastors and leaders in the Indiana Conference. So Indiana Conference, the United Methodist Church, she shared this prayer with them at a training conference that they had just a couple days ago. What a great example for them to see. This is what she shared, and then someone else responded. She said, prior to COVID, we visited your church while we were visiting our son. So these people, their son lives here in Oak Ridge. They live in Indiana. She said that you impressed us, and, and I heard your name at the Breakthrough Prayer Initiative Conference in Indianapolis. 
I mean, such a neat connection of how God's Spirit works to, to connect somebody with family here in Oak Ridge to, to people being blessed in Indiana and, and through the power of prayer. And so it was such a, a privilege to be able to see just, just other people praying alongside you and alongside our congregation for, for God's resurrection power. God's resurrection power to be unleashed in our midst and in your own lives. And so I wanted to share that as a, as a way of excitement. Oh God, we seek you and your presence this very day. Amen. Many of you know this, uh, that the house that I live in, our Parsons, the Parsons that the church owns, has a unique connection to Kern Church by in, not just as our, our current parsonage, the house was owned by the widow of one of your previous ministers, Amos Rogers. And uh, Alicia, our youth director, is actually uh, the granddaughter. So the house, excuse me, the house wasn't owned by Amos Rogers. The house was owned by his widow. I don't know if I said that, but that's what I was thinking. Um, and, and so Alicia, our youth director, is their daughter. And unfortunately, Pastor Amos, uh, who was the pastor of Kern Church many years ago, his life was, was cut short in an accident, and so his time with Kern Church was, was cut short, and he never lived in the home, but his wife, Alice, continued to carry around his library with him. And, and, and um, I need to tell Hope that, that if I die, she does not need to carry my library around with her. Um, Anyways, but uh, Amos's library was much more extensive than mine, I have a feeling. So much stuff that we can get now is online. But, but there was a study that was set up in the basement of the house that had all of Amos's, uh, all of his books uh, from the years gone by and, and many of his writings and, and uh, sermons and other things. And so many that worked on the house have kind of gone through this. And, and while the office is cleaned out and we're now using it as a storage room, you know, office to storage room, storing books, storing other things now. And uh, one of, I still, I don't have a lot of the books, but there's a couple of them that, that are still, that I still have. And one of them that I thought might be interesting, considering the, this, this emphasis on prayer, is a book that, that he had called The Secret of Effective Prayer, which was written by a woman, Helen Smith Shoemaker, in the early uh, 1950s. Helen was the daughter of a United States senator and uh, the wife of one of the most renowned preachers, evidently, at the time. Uh, none of that really matters all that much because she was a church leader and an author in her own right with writing some powerful stuff. And, and this book was written during the 1950s, early 1950s, to encourage people during a particularly kind of dark time in our nation's history or at least a difficult time, a time of high anxiety, maybe not a dark time, but a, a time during the Korean War, time when uh, with the Cold War is ramping up with Russia and concerns of nuclear war and all that is surrounding. And in this book, she tells the story of what she calls a personable young man who was also a, a veteran of World War II, a personable young man who was a veteran in World War II. And there was a group of young adults meeting in their apartment in, in, a, in a small, or well, she didn't say small, she said lovely apartment in New York City. I imagine a group of young adults meeting in a lovely apartment in New York City would be a much more expensive venture today than it was in the 1950s. But they were meeting there and they were having a, a discussion around the responsibilities that Christians, that people of faith had in the world today. 
And, and um, the, the young man, though, the veteran, he, he spoke up and he said, you know, I'm not a Christian. I wish I were. You people seem to have something that I haven't got. Uh, but to my way of thinking, it just doesn't stand up against the facts of life. Well, come to find out a week later, his wife called Helen on the phone and, and, and let her know that asking for prayer because he had become sick. He had actually contracted polio and was now in the hospital, in an isolation room in the hospital. And, and from this point forward, Helen and her husband, the pastor, their church, they continued to, to, to have weekly prayer services for this, for this young man. They continued to have weekly prayer services for her for his healing, and, and others were, were asked to pray for him daily. And then Helen writes that he was literally submerged in prayer. I love this image of being submerged in prayer. Then he asked for a Bible at the time, and his wife sent him one. And then Helen recounts that as he read, both the fever and fear began to go. His doubts began to dissolve too, and he realized that here in a hospital room, suffering from a dreadful disease, he had been ushered into the presence of a person so wonderful and a power so mysterious that there was nothing left for him to do but to confess his own faith and to pray. The young man not only came to faith, he went on to become a, went on to go into Christian ministry, as Helen writes, another witness to the power of prayer another witness to the greatness of God. I have to share that I've been witness to, to the power of prayer on, on occasion, the power of God on occasion. I, I remember one time I was called to the hospital late one evening, and this was early in my, early in my time as a full-time pastor. I don't think Hope and I had kids at the time. And, and, um, and so I, I was called by, this didn't happen often to get late calls. Um, and so when somebody calls late, it's, it's concerning. So I think I got the voicemail and didn't answer the phone originally, but it was the wife of somebody that I'd known as sick. And I'll share his name because it'll become evident why. His name is Mike, and Mike is really sick. He has cancer. And this was the second time, at least, of him having cancer. And I had been with him in the hospital on multiple occasions. He had uh, to spend time with him, to pray with him, and to, to be with him and other people from the church. And so this one evening, he was rushed to the hospital, and it was not good. In fact, the doctors told him, by the time I got to the hospital, the doctors had, had spoken to his wife and said, I mean, pretty much that he wasn't going to make it out of this evening. By the time I got there, there was already a group from the church, and, and they were meeting in a, in a kind of a private waiting room, and so I was with them, and people were praying, and I was praying with them, and, and, and I don't really know how to explain it, but by the end of the night, they wheeled Mike back around and we were talking with him. The, the doctors had said that there was nothing else they could do, that he was gone. But by the end of the night, we were talking with him, joking with him before he got wheeled back into ICU and his wife could stay with him. Mike now is doing well, and this has been eight or, or ten years ago, and, and he is, is still doing well today, all by the power of God. And, and this caused him to, to launch his own ministry. He called it, his family calls him Miracle Man Mike. That's why his, 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 his name, it's important to share his name. But, but his, his power, the story that he has to share is a powerful story. And, and just being in that room, witnessing the power of God, moving in a miraculous way. But I have to share that, that as I, I've shared this story 
in the midst of stories of miraculous healings, and they abound, I mean, they are powerful things, there are countless other stories. There are countless other stories of people who didn't receive healing, or at least didn't receive healing in this life. And so we're, we're left to balance this. I mean, what does it mean for somebody to, to receive a healing from, from God or to receive a miraculous healing? And then for somebody else to, to, to not receive healing, and even though that they could be just as faithful, even though that they have just as many people who love them and are praying for them. And, and I don't have an answer to this, but I, I think that, that, it, that it leaves us at a point where we have to rationalize, rationalize this. And we end up rationalizing the, the activity of God. There's much to be said, I think, about unanswered prayer. And, and just because God visibly answers one prayer, and, and it doesn't mean that God is going to have the same response or to be able to heal in another situation. You know, God is not a genie that, that if you find the lamp and you say the magic words and rub the lamp and you get three wishes. I mean, that's just not how... God works. And so I think what often happens is because we know that there are so many times when people don't receive a healing. There are so many times when, when people don't receive the miracle that, that perhaps they want, that, that people begin to just disbelieve in prayer altogether. You know, maybe instead of prayer being about the power of God or, 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 or a miracle, uh, something to bring miracle in life, begin to, to think of prayer as like self-help and and therapy for your own heart, which, which prayer can help heal your heart and, and can help you to, to, to kind of be more sane in life. But, but there are so many that, that might say, you know, I, I believe in the power of prayer. Perhaps this is you. I believe in the power of prayer, but too often you also find that you don't pray as much as you think you should. You don't pray with as much faith as perhaps you think you should pray with. You know, others do. Others have more faith than you. Others pray more than you. But you're just praying. You don't really know what's happening. Maybe you doubt that God will really listen to your prayers or respond in the way that you desire. And I want you to know that I, I think all of this is, is, is completely understandable. And I, and I don't think that any of this is new either. We, we read uh, one of the places in the Bible where Jesus teaches his people, his, his disciples to pray comes from Luke chapter 11. This is uh, Luke chapter 11 verse 1 is where Jesus' followers ask him to, to teach them to pray. And so, so Jesus responds and teaches them to pray. But then he realizes, you know, when I ask you to pray, maybe you don't really believe that God is listening. Maybe, maybe you, you don't really 100% believe that God is listening, and you don't know. I'm telling you to do this thing, but you don't know if, if God is going to answer your prayers. I mean, I, you know, I have to confess as, as your pastor that, that right now I'm asking you to pray for miracles, and I'm praying for miracles too, but there's a part of me that, that has a, a hard time, like this hard-hearted part of me, this stubborn part of me, that has a hard time trusting fully that God can perform miracles. I mean, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing some of the miraculous things that God is beginning to do in our midst, but part of me just has a hard time just fully committing 100% because I feel like I have to do something. I have to, you know, to be good, good enough. And so I want to share that, 
I want to share in, in the Bible, in, in Luke chapter 11. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn with me, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 11. And this is where, where Jesus is, is teaching his followers to pray. And, and, and I think that, that, that he, he, he knows that they're concerned. And so he, he kind of anticipates their question and saying, okay, sure, this is how I pray. Well, are you going to listen? Is God going to listen? Is God going to do anything? I think he, he anticipated the question, well, that's great that you tell us and teach us how to pray, but what happens if I actually pray? Is anybody going to listen? Is my prayer going to be good enough? Or does somebody else who's more holy, more faithful, need to pray it? To this question, Jesus gives an analogy in Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 5. Here's what, here's what Jesus said. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and go to him at midnight, and, and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and, and I have no food to offer him. And, and suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of the friendship yet, because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So what's happening is that in, in the middle of the night, someone comes knocking on the door and said, hey, I need some bread because I've had a late, late guest come and visit me. Can you help me out? This perhaps isn't all that helpful for, for you and I. Um, I mean, it's midnight, you're tucked nicely in bed, the kids are in bed, everything is quiet, and, and, and you realize, hopefully you're asleep, but you realize, ah, just, mm, I'm happy. In bed, I'm warm, but then someone comes banging, right? banging at the door, and people don't bang at the door at night, and so I know some of you are, are just waiting for this to happen so you can enter the door and go welcome your guests with the company of Smith & Wesson and channel your, your, your inner dirty Harry and say, go ahead and make my day. Some of you have been training for this, like for years, waiting for it to happen. So this illustration may not be all that helpful, but even if that's not you, a knock on the door at midnight isn't something you're likely going to welcome. But Jesus is, is telling this story in first century Palestine. So it takes place in a village in, in, in Galilee, and, and the houses here are close together. They'll share common courtyards. They're close together. And, 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 and the other thing that, that is true about the ancient world is that there's less noise. Less noise at night. So I know that my own household is kind of loud, so to speak, with background noise. Our refrigerator's running. In the summertime, our air conditioner's running. Or even like when it's 75 degrees at Christmas, our air conditioner's running, right? Uh, we have noise machines because our floors are creaky. And so we want to make sure the babies stay asleep. And so there's all these background noises. So I don't even know if I'm going to hear somebody knock on my door um, you know, in the middle of the night. But in first century Palestine, they didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have CPAP machines. They didn't have these things that, that you have that make your house have like background noise in the middle of the night. And additionally, it would have been customary, customary in their society to, to welcome strangers, to practice hospitality, even if it was in the middle of the night. So it was expected that if someone was a guest at your house, you had to provide a meal for them. 
You had to welcome them. And so even at night, even if it was very late at night, they had made some type of journey, so they would be tired. So you would have to give them even just a piece of bread, some bread to give them. So even if somebody arrives at the middle of the night, you're still expected to give them. So Jesus says, even though this guy doesn't want to do this, he's going to get up and give you what you ask for because it's expected. Because if he doesn't, he'll be looked at upon as dirt by his neighbors. And there'll be like social peer pressure to not invite him to the community barbecue because he is not being a good community member. And, and, and so I think what Jesus is saying here is that if your neighbor who is sleepy and grumpy doesn't want to get out of bed is actually going to respond to your need and give you what you need, surely God, who doesn't sleep or slumber, will respond to your prayers and answer your need. Now, I realize this isn't a ringing endorsement for God's ability to respond, but, but if your neighbor who doesn't even want to do it responds, surely, Jesus says, God will respond. And then he continues with what I think is one of the most powerful statements that, about how God listens to and answers prayers in verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who receives, for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, find. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Unambiguously, Jesus says, when you pray, when you pray, God listens and God responds. When you pray, God listens and God responds. He, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and, and you will find. And if you didn't get it the first time, Jesus says, anyone who asks will receive. Those who seek will be fine. Those who, who knock will have the door open. And I, and I realize that there's metaphor in all of this. It's a pretty simple metaphor. Because Jesus is, is assuring them and you that when you pray, when you pray, God will listen. God will listen. So when I pray, and when I invite you to join me in, in praying for miracles, God listens. When, when you pray, God, release the resurrection power of your Holy Spirit to break through and bring miracles of new hopes, dreams, and possibilities for our church and in my own life. Grant to us your boldness to follow Jesus into your new and unknown future. And may your spirit come and your will be done. Amen. When you pray this, God listens. When you pray this, God listens. And Jesus says, when you ask, you receive. When you pray for the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit to come and to break through and to bring miracles, Jesus promises that God's spirit begins to become active. When you pray for breakthroughs, when you pray for miracles, Jesus says God's Spirit begins to respond. God starts to move in a special way. A pastor who, who first introduced this idea of breakthrough prayer 
to me just a couple of months ago, shared about how God responded. God responded and really heard the prayers when his congregation began this initiative of praying for breakthroughs and miracles. He wrote that he deployed a breakthrough prayer initiative in his own church and by, by doing what we're doing, by, by daily having a certain time during the day where they would pray a certain prayer together as, as a congregation and, and, and praying for God to open new doors of new hopes and new dreams and new possibilities. And about this effort, he shared that his church witnessed the Holy Spirit unleash miracles. The Holy Spirit unleashed miracles in their presence. And, and then he commented that God must love this type of prayer. Love that. Someone who had this experience of, of praying for miracles in their own church as a community unified in prayer and then realizing God must really love it when we do this. God must really love it when we pray together for miracles. Jesus teaches us to pray for miracles and to expect God to, to make them happen. So I, I think that it is true that Jesus does love this type of prayer. Earlier, I shared with you that book from the early 1950s about effective prayer. Well, in it, the author shares a, a teaching uh, from somebody else, from Dr. E. Stanley Jones. And many, maybe you know who this was, Dr. E. Stanley Jones. He was a, a very popular person in the first part of the 20th century. He was a, a missionary. He was a Methodist and a missionary and is really kind of remembered as like the Billy Graham of India. That's just like his tagline at the time. Probably not himself created, but people gave it to him. So he, he, he was an evangelist and missionary in India. And in 1938, Time Magazine called him the, greatest Christ, the world's greatest Christian missionary. Um, I guess at the time, Time Magazine handed out awards for the world's greatest Christian missionary. Probably not something that's done today, but it was in 1938 nonetheless. And Jones writes about the power of prayer. And what he has to say, I think, is so impactful that I wanted to share it with you today. He wrote that in prayer, you align yourself to the purpose and power of God. In prayer, you align yourself to the purpose and power of God, and he is able to do things through you that he couldn't do otherwise. So he says, when you pray, you align yourself with the purpose and power of God, and God is able to do things that God couldn't otherwise do unless you prayed. And he goes on to say, for this is an open universe, where some things are left open and contingent upon our doing. If we do not do them, they will never be done. So God has left certain things open to prayer, things which will never be done except as we pray. Now here, Jones isn't saying that God is, is not powerful. Jones isn't saying that, that God can't do what God wants to do. But instead, God, Jones is saying that God wants you to become a part of what God is. God wants to involve you in the process of doing what God wants to be done. And, and so God leaves certain things open that, that God's just not going to do unless, unless people pray and, and ask God to do them. And, and, and when, these, when people pray, God begins to move. God wants to involve you in the process of healing and hope and miracle making. I think this is what Jesus was saying when he taught his disciples that, that God listens and, and God responds to your prayer. If you don't pray and ask God, God does not have a chance 
to respond. So when you do pray, God does have a chance to respond. So Jones and Jesus tell us that that God invites you to pray and, and to participate in the things that God has left open. God has invited you to pray for for miracles. And while God can do what God wants apart from from you or apart from me or apart from prayer, there are things that God will never do unless unless you actually pray and unless you actually ask. So I say to you, says Jesus, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Those who seek, find. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. This means that when I'm asking you to pray, to pray for miracles, it is so vital to actually do it. To actually pray. To actually participate and setting a reminder at 11.01 or whenever you get to do it, really, and actually pray for God's miracles. It's so vital to lift up this prayer because God is depending on you and I to pray it together. And I know that, that there are roadblocks in prayers. I know that, that you will encounter setbacks in your prayers, but God really does love this kind of prayer in unity. Prayer when God's people join together for one purpose. And so today, I want to introduce to you another way of praying this breakthrough prayer. And that's through using it as a prayer walk. And this is the last thing I want to share with you. But uh, before you leave today, there are a set of cards um, over at the table, at the entry table. If you're online, you can go to, to kernchurch.org slash pray and and, and find this same breakthrough prayer. You can print it off, and we'll have these cards available throughout the week as a church. But on the front side, it says the prayer, so you can have this for you. So if you don't have your smartphone wallpaper, you need a physical thing, you can take this with you. It's also in your bulletin, and you can pray this. And my hope is that you will pray this while you're walking. And at 4.30 on Wednesday of this coming week, so before the Wednesday night fellowship supper, we're going to meet here, whoever is here, and just walk through the church building and pray. Because one of the miracles that I've been praying for is that, is that this church building that is, is often empty during the middle of the week, besides those who are, have offices here, is that, is that God will unleash miracles of new hopes, dreams, and possibilities for how this facility that, that God has blessed us with, for how this facility can be used to do life-changing things have a kingdom impacts throughout the weeks other than when just Kern Church, you know, our congregation is using it or, or our, 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 our kids' nursery school program is using it. And so we're going to pray this prayer just walking through the building. And, and uh, so this is, this is the front side that says just, just pray this prayer and walk. So if you can't be here at 4.30 on Wednesday, that's fine. You can pray this prayer walking through the building any other time. And I also want to encourage you, since this isn't just about praying for breakthrough prayers for your church, it's also praying for breakthrough prayers in your life, and I think also in your neighbors, is to walk through your own house praying this prayer. And then not only just to walk through your own house, to walk through your neighborhood, if you're somebody who walks, and, and, and pray this prayer. 
If you're someone who has trouble walking or doesn't walk, maybe as, as somebody drives you or maybe as you drive, you can just pray for each house that you pass. God, release your resurrection power. Release your resurrection power. Praying for all those that are around you that God's spirit of miracles will fall upon, fall upon those that you encounter. So Wednesday at, at 4.30, we'll have an in-person kind of prayer meeting. We'll, we'll pray and then just disperse and allow people to walk through different areas of the building and, and, and offer prayer, offer for God's mighty, mighty miracle, mighty power to be released in our midst. And then on the reverse side of this card, there's a, a note about, about keeping your eyes open and naming the breakthroughs that you see. So it's it's praying it on one side, but then also becoming aware of what breakthroughs you're seeing happen in your church and what breakthroughs you're seeing happen in your life. So I want to give you that, that little resource. And, and um, if, you, if, you want to, if you don't have, if you need more, we, we have more available. If you're online, we have them available at the church office, and you can always go to the website to find, to find information. So take this card, pray this prayer, physically walk. May you use that, may God use that to bring miracles of new hopes, dreams, and possibilities in your life, in your neighborhood, in your home, and in this space. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your resurrection power. I thank you for the message that Jesus gives us that, that you do indeed listen. That, that, that when someone knocks, you open the door. That when someone prays, your spirit begins to move and become active. And so I pray that, that, that as, as, as people walk around this church building this week, that, that your resurrection power will fall upon them. That, that as those that come here for trunk or treat, that they will feel your resurrection power, that they will feel the, the power of your miracles beginning to happen in their own life. And, and as we disperse throughout this week, that, that you will help each one to pray this prayer in their own home, around the perimeter of their home, and in their neighborhood, so that it's not just about this one church building receiving your miracles and your presence and your newness, but it's also about every every person in our reach, wherever that reach may be, they can begin to feel your spirit moving in their lives and receive the miracles that your people, the people at Kern Church, pray. Amen. Receive this blessing. People of the living God, receive the power of God's resurrection spirit. May it fill your life and may you carry it throughout your day, throughout your week. Go with the blessing and power of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go with the blessing of God. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.